Sorry. Had to make an announcement in our Spanish ministry this morning, and uh, they weren't finished with the song, so I had to wait. So I apologize, and thank you for being patient uh, this morning. Um, I was going to stop by the water fountain, so Lewis, you're going to be minus one small bottle of water. Um, we're good, thank you. So, um, why are we here? Why, why, why are we here? And I know you're thinking, <laughs> aren't you supposed to be the one telling us that? <laughs> Isn't that your job? <laughs> I, I, maybe your answer is, we're here because it's 11 o'clock on Sunday and that's when you go to church. Or we're here because our job brought us to this location. Whether you work in industry or you work in one of the schools or you work in, uh, in medical field or the law field or real estate. You know, okay, our job brought us here. Or, or may, maybe if you're a kid, I'm here because this is where my parents told me I had to grow up. This is, this is, this is where we live. Th- these are the surface level questions of why we're here. So, so let's go deeper. Why are we here? Let's get philosophical. What is the meaning of life? Why do we exist? Why do we have, have people? Why, why are they, okay, I know you're going to say, well, Evan, we've been in Genesis the last couple of months. So we're here because God created us in his image. And thank you for that great Sunday school answer. But, but why are we, First Baptist Church of Fairburn, Georgia, why are we here? Why, why was there a church established in Fairburn, Georgia in 1829 that later became Fairburn Baptist Church, that later became First Baptist Church of Fairburn, Georgia, that used to be down the road but has been for the last over 100 years situated right here at this piece of property? Why are we here? I fear that oftentimes in the church setting, that question is asked in a true and genuine spirit, and the true and genuine answer that is given misses the point. It's kind of like playing darts. You've got your dartboard, and you know the goal of darts is to throw the dart and not hit the wall or a person or anything. You want to land it as close to the bullseye as possible. But, but ultimately what ends up happening, I believe, a lot of times when we play darts is we lose the focus of the bullseye and are more concerned with just making sure that we have more points than the person against whom we are playing. As long as I get a couple of fives and maybe a 15 and you end up with a couple of fours and maybe a three, I win whether I hit the bullseye or not. Sometimes we ask these questions, and, and, and I know, I know, we didn't wake up on the last Sunday of 2018 to go to church to think. I know, but we have to. We have to think about why we are here, because if we don't think about why we are here, what we are doing will not make sense, nor will it actually accomplish our vision, our mission, and our purpose If we, First Baptist Church of Fairburn, Georgia, uh, are a diverse family of believers seeking to make disciples, build families, and reach our community in ways that stretch beyond age, ethnicity, and status, then we've got to come back to the purpose of what the church was established to do right here in Fairburn, Georgia. 
Now, if you want, I can give you the quick answer, but I think that maybe it'd be better for me to just elaborate more through the book of Ezekiel. If you've got your Bible with you, if you'll turn to Ezekiel 33. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the pew. I I think you, if you don't have a Bible, I think you can take that one home with you because I, I want you to have a copy of the Word of God. And I think it's even listed in your bulletin what page to turn to if you use one of the pew Bibles. But take that, that's our gift to you. You can, you can take it. Um, or if you don't want to take that one, I think there's a lost and found. Find a good leather bound one in there and take that one, you know. Um, it, it, it's, it's somebody else's gift to you that they don't know they gave you. But Ezekiel chapter 33 gives us a picture of what God is doing in the life of Ezekiel and why he called Ezekiel to be a prophet to Israel when he did. And, and, and as you're turning there, just let me give you a little background of, of Ezekiel. Ezekiel, his ministry, his time as a prophet is sometime between the year of about 490 BC and about 430 BC. So somewhere just a little over 400 years before Jesus is born, Ezekiel is ministering. This is a time when Israel is starting to go back, has already started going back from the Babylonian captivity. They've gone back in. Nehemiah has already rebuilt the wall. Ezra has already rebuilt the temple and worship is happening again in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And if you don't know a whole lot about the Babylonian exile, it basically it comes down to this. God said, I am your God, worship me. And Israel said, no thanks, we'll worship who we want. God said, I am your God, turn back to me or calamity's coming. And they said, no, we're Israel, we're going to do what we want. God said, again, I promise you the Assyrians are going to carry you off to another land if you do not turn with your whole heart and worship me, your God who has delivered you. And Israel said, no, nah, I think we're good the way we're going. And guess what happened? They got carried off to a land that was not their own in punishment and captivity and for 70 years were, were under the tight bondage of the, the princes and the kings of Assyria and Babylon and they had no freedom until God allowed them to come back. But what happened when they got back was... Their heart was still not bent towards God. For 70 years, they threw up these Hail Mary prayers of God, get us out of this jam, get us out of this trouble. We'll worship you and we'll serve you and we'll be your people. And that lasted for about the first 15 or 20 years after they got back to Israel. And then the idolatry started and the worshiping whatever pleased them in the moment started again. And Ezekiel's writing to the people of Israel and his message to them is, you missed it. You did not get what the purpose of God's plan for us was. So much so that in Ezekiel chapter 10, the most devastating thing happens in all of the Old Testament. It says in Ezekiel chapter 10 that the glory of God, the presence of God departed the temple. The temple was the place where there in Jerusalem it symbolized that God was their God and they were God's people and he would be forever worshipped there. And as long as the presence of God was there, the people of Israel knew that God was for them and God was carrying them and God was protecting them. But the Shekinah glory of God left. And for 400 years, heaven was silent. Silent. I live in a house with three kids under the age of eight. I don't know silence. 
Heaven was silent. But in Ezekiel chapter 33, he comes to a point where God is reminding Ezekiel again why he's doing what he does. And he says this starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, And he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people. And he who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning. And a sword comes and takes him away. His blood will be on his own head. Sorry, this passage really isn't the best for family worship Sunday. So parents of children will get there. Verse 5. He heard the sound of the trumpet, did not take warning, so his blood will be on himself. But he had, take, had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his sin, in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman. Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel. So you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warnings from me. And when I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you will surely die. And you you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. And that wicked man will die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. But if on your part, If you warn a wicked man to turn away from his way, and he does not turn away, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. Let's pray together. Father God, moments ago I prayed that we would hear your voice. And just now I'm reading a passage where, Lord, you are talking about how you speak and how you give a message and it is incumbent on your watchmen to deliver the message. And so, Father, I pray that we would see ourselves as the message bearers with the responsibility to carry this truth to a watching and dying world, that we would see the nations rejoice at the glory of our God and King. Father, I pray that as we go into 2019 that, that we wouldn't sit idly by, but that we, would, that we would grasp your greatness, that we would grasp your power, that we would grasp your might and help others to see just how wonderful our God is because our God, our God saves. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this passage of scripture serves as a reminder for Ezekiel. And I believe as we wrap up 2018, that it serves as a reminder for us of why are we here? Why do we have these buildings situated at this place? Is it for programs or is it for people to hear of the glory of God? Is it, for, is it for Bible camps and Bible schools and Sunday Bible studies and 11 o'clock worship services? Or is it a citadel of peace and hope for our community to take refuge in the Lord our God? And here we find in this passage of Scripture 
Ezekiel being confronted with the question of God. Now, God doesn't ask the question, but he confronts them. Like, Ezekiel, why are you here? Why are you doing what you were doing? Why are you in this position? It's a question that you and I can resonate with today in 2018. And he says, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, speak to the sons. God is speaking to Ezekiel. Now, now hear me say this very clearly that there was something special about the office of a prophet in the Old Testament. The Ezekiels, the Isaiahs, the Daniels, the Jonahs, the, the Micahs, the, 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 the Samuels, the Ezras. There was something special about the way God spoke to them. I believe, personally, I believe that God spoke with an audible voice to these men, to these prophets. I do not believe that God uses his audible voice for us today in America. Now, I'm, I'm very careful to say in America because we have such an established gospel witness here that there are a lot of things that, that we are able to see in Scripture that take place, but in the other nations where there is not an established church and a long-going gospel witness that, that are a little bit more regular. For example, just in the last couple of months, as we've been looking at international missions, as we've talked with missionaries, as we've had missionaries from overseas here, I, I've heard and, and as, we've read, uh, as we've read about missionaries in our own home, I, I'm, I'm seeing and, and I've, I, and I've heard, heard story after story and, and witness after witness where, where someone in another country who's never heard of the name of Jesus will have a vision of a man robed in white telling him, there is someone coming to share with you. We saw this in one of our Lottie Moon videos just a few weeks ago. S something amazing. Now, I don't know that those things take place in America today. Just like I don't know that God speaks audibly the way he did to Ezekiel. I believe he's speaking audibly to Ezekiel in this passage of Scripture. And he comes to him and reminds him something that he's reminding you and me. We have a job to do. You and I have a job to do. Why are we here? Because we've got a job to do. Now, a few years ago, I went to the office, a previous church I worked, and I went to the office that day, and I was wearing a pair of khaki pants and a blue polo shirt. And part of my job duties that day meant that I needed to go and pick something up for Best, from Best Buy for something that we had going on at the church that week. So I go to Best Buy, and I'm trying to find exactly what it is that I need to be able to connect this piece of technology to that piece of technology to make both pieces of technology work together the right way. And so there I am standing there in Best Buy in my khaki pants and my blue shirt. And a man comes up to me and asks me where I can find something. And I look at him and I said, oh, I'm not exactly sure. And he said, well, could you get your manager? And so I looked at him and I said, I am my manager. And he said, well, why don't you know where it is? And I said, because I don't work here. But then it dawned on me, I'm standing there in a royal blue polo shirt with khaki pants looking like every other Best Buy employee in the building. He knew no different. Most of us fail at our job as followers of Christ because even though we've got the uniform on, we don't know any better. So we look like those that are true followers of Christ, but we've not invested ourselves in the message of the gospel to make a difference in someone's life. 
We've got our church clothes on, but we haven't shown up with the job that is required of us as followers of Christ. He says, son of man, if I take someone and I set them as the watchman over their people, like this is, this is war language that they're talking about. So, so if you can picture, remember the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho? And they had to walk around and walk around. And you think, man, what, what, a, what, a, what a, an amazing leader Joshua had to be to convince thousands of troops just to walk around a city. You know, they're, they're trained for battle. They've got spears and bows and arrows. They want to use those things. No, we're just going to walk around. But you think they've got this well-fortified city is what Jericho was. On each one, of the, each one of the towers there around that city, they had somebody watching to see the approaching army. And God says, okay, if you've got somebody that's the watchman and they're watching for the, the, the army to come, they've got a job that they have to do. When they see the army coming, when they see the attack happening, they've got to warn the people. What good is it to be a watchman who's not watching? In 1902, there was, there was a war that was raging in the South Pacific. It was the Spanish-Filipino War. And in this war, the American army had gotten involved. And America had set up, as in its army, had set up one of its men to take the night watch at one of their forts on one of the small islands in the Philippines. But this man fell asleep on the job. And what ended up happening cost, uh, cost no less than two, two dozen American soldiers in 1902 to lose their lives. He had a job that was his to do, but he did not do it. And he comes here, God comes here to Ezekiel and says, okay, if you are placing a watchman on the wall, you're expecting him to watch, but he doesn't watch in silence when he sees something. It says there, he says, he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. There's a clear job description that's laid out there for the people that are of the watch. You see the attack, you give the warning. You see destruction coming, you give the warning. Businesses set these up all over the place. We've got, we've got watchmen that, that watch the stock markets and kind of predict and project where things are going to happen and that's going to create an issue. So we want to we make sure people, investors are, are warned. You set all of these things up all over everywhere else. The church is the watchmen, is the, are the watchmen for our society, for our city. Why? He says, you see that there's calamity coming. He sees the sword coming upon the land, blows the trumpet to warn the people. Why are we here? Because we have a job to do. We have a warning that must be issued. We are here, secondly, because we have a community in need. Look at verses 4 and verse 5. He who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not himself take warning, and his blood will be on himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have delivered himself. You, you may not realize it, but Fairburn needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. The schools, the administrators in the schools, man, I've, I've sat down, I've sat down with principals at the elementary schools here in Fairburn, with, 
with Bear Creek Middle School. I, I'm supposed to be meeting with the principal at Creekside High School later, this, later in the month of January. And, and as I've sat down with the principals and the administrators, this is the, this is the constant refrain I am hearing. We, we need you. We need your church involved in the lives of our students. We need godly men and women. You say, man, no, no, a separation of church and state, they can't do that. We sat down uh, just, uh, just about six weeks ago. Uh, there were uh, uh, Charles Ramsey from uh, St. John's AME, um, Dwight Boone from over here at Crossroads, uh, and a couple other pastors uh, were, were there sitting down with uh, Felipe Jackson, the principal at Bear Creek Middle School. And he showed us this video that was produced by the Fulton County School Board. This wasn't something that Felipe and his staff at Bear Creek did. This wasn't something that churches in the area did. This was from the Fulton County School Board. And you know what it was? It was an appeal to churches to say, we need you in our hallways. We need your partnerships. We need, our, our teachers need you. Our students need you. Our administrators need you. The school board itself. We need you. What about separation? No, 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 no. This isn't a separation of church and state issue. They're not asking us to come and baptize everybody. They're asking us to come and love people. And when we love people, we're able to show them what the gospel is about and how the gospel bleeds into our true lives and reshapes and refocuses who we are. We have a city that is in need, but the greatest need that is in our city is to know that Christ Jesus is the Lord, that Christ Jesus is the Savior, that Christ Jesus is the hope, because there are two paths, a path of destruction and a path of, 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 of growth and a, a path of glory. The path of destruction happens for all who die without Christ. The path of glory happens for all of us that have professed faith in Jesus Christ. If we don't issue the warning, then someone does not have the ability to make the right choice. He says, if you blow the horn, it's nighttime. The battle's coming upon you and you blow the horn. And he says, I'm tired. I'm going to pull the covers over my head and roll over and go back to sleep. That is on them. But if you blow the horn, if you blow the horn, they might come to salvation. If you don't blow the horn, if you don't blow the horn, it's on you. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. Verse six, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them. He is, one, taken away in his own sin, but his blood will be required at the hand of the watchman. Folks, I wrestle with this. Because if you have a job, your job is going to come with certain responsibilities. Right here, it is laid out for us that you and I have a responsibility. This, this isn't just a preacher thing. I know it's really easy to say, well, that's the preacher's responsibility. The preacher's the one supposed to win people to Jesus. It's the preacher's job. Go to the preacher, go to the preacher, go to the pastor, go to the pastor. If you have placed faith in Christ Jesus, this is all of our responsibility. It's all of our responsibility. 
He says very blatantly in this passage of Scripture, failure to fulfill your responsibility comes down on you. It comes down. Put it to you this way. If you don't pay your rent for the next six months, who gets kicked out of the apartment? Not your neighbor. You do, right? If you don't pay your power bill for the next six months, who, who's responsible? Whose power gets shut off? Yours, right? If you don't take your medicine... Who's responsible for you being sick? The doctor? You are, right? If you go to JCPenney and pick out a nice new wardrobe of clothes and walk out without paying, who's responsible? You are, right? My four-year-old just got that one right. You, you are. If you have a job working at the water company and your job is to make sure that every night the valves are turned a certain way so that it doesn't flood the sewage cleaning system and create mass chaos in your city and you forget to do your responsibility, you forget to do your job and turn the valves the right way, who's responsible? You are. If you go, if you are a delivery man for UPS and for about four weeks there is a strain of half of your packages not being delivered, who's responsible? You are. But if you are that UPS delivery man, are you responsible for carrying the package into someone's house? No. They are, right? Your job, your responsibility of your job is to make sure the package gets delivered to the door. Similarly, God says the watchman's responsibility is to make sure that the message goes out. What happens after it goes out is the responsibility of the hearer. That's why it's not on the watchman to make sure that he's going and waking up everybody that's in their bed. Hey, there's a war coming. There's, it's not the watchman. His job is to sound the, sound the call. So when we have open our food pantry, when we partner with Campbell and West Elementary Schools, when we have community block parties, we are opening up for people to come and hear the message of the gospel in a real true way. But it is still the responsibility of all of us who call on Jesus Christ to carry that message to someone else. That's why we're here. That, that's why we exist on this piece of dirt, so that we can come in and we can, get, we can kind of get battle ready for what's going on in the world around us, so that we can come and, and be re-energized re, re and worship God together and be reminded of why we're together and why this church exists. And if we're going to be a church that, that, that ha, puts out there, we're going to sow, we're going to know, we're going to grow, we're going to go. What's that mean? We're going to share the gospel with people. We're going to teach people about God. We're going to grow together in our, in our spiritual growth and numerical growth and we're going to come together as a people, as a family together so that we can go with one message because the responsibility is there to tell. To, to, to tell. But the fourth thing we have is this commission from God. 
See, see, God uses kind of a parable here and describes the, 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 the military battle watchman. What it means to be on night duty and what your responsibilities are. But then it comes back in verse 7 to, to, to Ezekiel. And he draws it back into our hearts as well, I believe, when he says, Now as for you, son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them the warning from me. And when I say to the wicked, O wicked, you will surely die. And, and, and you do not speak to warn the wicked of his way. That wicked man will die from his sin, but his blood I will require from your hand. But, but if you on your part, if you on your part warn a wicked man to turn from his way and he does not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your life. See, over in chapter 3 of the book of Ezekiel, we get this commission that God gives. Ezekiel is called out and separated from, from the others around in verse 16, it says, At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I have appointed you a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, you will die, and you do not warn him or speak to the warn the wicked from his way, the way that he might live, that wicked man will die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you have warned the wicked, he does not turn from his wickedness or from his, or his wicked way. He will die in his iniquity, but you've delivered yourself. Again, when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and I place an obstacle before him, he will die since you have not warned him. He will die in his sin and his righteous deeds which he has done will not be remembered but his blood I will require at your hand. He commissions Ezekiel to go. It says whether you are talking to the righteous or you are talking to the lost, you're either talking to a fellow believer or someone that doesn't know the name of Jesus, your responsibility still stands to point the way back to God. To point the way back to him who saves, him who has given. And here, we can hear, maybe hear this passage this way. Now as for you, First Baptist Fairburn, I have appointed you as a watchman for the city of Fairburn. So that when you hear the greatness of my gospel, my son Jesus Christ, and when you hear of life everlasting. And you hear that I say to the wicked, wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked of his way. That wicked person will die in their iniquity, but his blood I will require from the hands of your church. We can easily place ourselves right there because you and I are here for a reason. We're here for a reason. To know God and to make him known. To know the greatness of God. I mean, I'm sure if I opened up the floor here for the next few minutes and said, somebody just, get, just somebody, somebody give me a testimony of what God has done for you in 2018. Somebody show me, tell me about, about the, the mercy of God in your life. Somebody help, help me hear what, what God has done. I, I can hear testimony after testimony. Somebody might start dancing in the aisle and we'd have fun and a big thing and all of these things. But what does that mean for out there? I, 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 don't, know, I don't know about you. 
I do not think that we are supposed to be an in here church where all the stuff about God happens in here. I, I, I do not believe that we are supposed to be an in the pew, sit and listen church. I believe that what happens in the pew should be the overflow of what's happened through the week because the work of God in our lives throughout our city, our schools, our towns, our workplaces, everywhere we have gone has been touched by the hand of God because of us, not in spite of us. That our neighbors come to faith in Christ Jesus because of us, not because somebody else came and did what God placed us in our house to do. That our children raised, are raised up with the fear and the admonition of the Lord their God. Not because we have good Sunday school teachers, because we do, but because we have moms and dads that are living it at home and teaching it at home and carrying it to their hearts there. I believe that we as a church, our responsibility is not just come here and see it happen, but to go there and make it happen. Everywhere. I don't want to be another church where the show happens here. I've made some enemies in ministry. Anybody that's known me longer than 10 minutes, it's probably not hard for you to believe that I've made enemies, but I have. Because I see so much happen I see the performance, I see the show happen on Sunday morning. And there's no evidence of it in, in the world out there. Man, I, woo, good grief, man. I, I, I've, seen, I've seen preachers, I've seen pastors that, that could work up a sweat and, and holler and shout and stamp their feet and dance and parade and all these things, but man, they won't give you time of day outside of the platform up here. I've seen, I've seen in the pews, I've seen people waving their hands and shouting and, and, and hollering, having a great time during, during the sermon, but they go home and, and, and I'm not Facebook police, I promise you I'm not, but just the stuff in the world that just encroaches and inhabits everything else in their life. That's why I don't want to be an in here church. Because we can be all holy and mighty in here when we're in the confines of the bricks and the wood and the pews and oh, we're with God's people, it's great. I want us to be an out there church because out there are the people that need us to be real about who we are. I've heard Tony Evans say it several times. Everybody else is coming out of the closet. We might as well too. We might as well. And it's not on your sheet, but there's room for you to write this last one down. I have somebody I need to watch out for. Church is going to be 2019 in about 36 hours. Who in 2019 are you going, for who are you going to be their watchman? For, for who are you going to take your faith by the bootstraps? Are you going to put it on for real, not just to go to church, but for, for, for who you are, to shape your life so that someone else, you can say, I need you to know the gospel. I need you to know the truth. I need you to know the love of God. I need you to know the wrath of God against sin. They might be living under your roof. They might be working in the cubicle next door. They might be somebody that you're con constantly in contact with through phone calls, text messages, emails. You have someone to watch for. 
I'm going to ask you right now to take a minute as we bow our heads to pray and ask God to give you the strength, the fortitude, and the ability to not just write their name down right there, but to actually watch. Church, we've got a job to do. We've got people in need, and we've got the responsibility of carrying the hope of the gospel to them.